Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is January 8th, and our reading comes from Matthew chapters 6 and 7. Now remember, Matthew chapters 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. So we're continuing that study today. Beginning in verse 25, Jesus says this, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him? than they are. Well, this is a big deal because today in American culture, so many people are overwhelmed with worry and anxiety and fear. And Jesus says, don't worry, which at first glance can sound a little trite, kind of dismissive, you know, just stop worrying about it. But it's really grounded in our faith that God is sovereign, that God is generous, that God is personal, that God is our Father, that He cares for us, He loves us, and we can trust Him to provide for all of our needs. So my lack of worry is replaced by faith and confidence in God. I love Psalm 23 that begins this way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I don't think that means because he's my shepherd, I'm rich, powerful, famous. I have everything I could ever dream for. No, no, no. I think what he's saying is because I'm following Jesus, I've discovered real life. And so now I'm content. The truth is, I don't want much more than being close to Jesus. Now, don't misunderstand. It's not that having more than Jesus is bad, but we want to find our contentment in Jesus. And when we are content with Jesus, listen, nobody can take Jesus from us. Nobody can take our faith from us. Nobody can take the promises of God from us. Nobody can deny the faithfulness of God throughout the course of our life. And so all of this puts us in a position of faith instead of worry. And then when we look at the birds, when we look at nature and and we look at creation, and again, when we look back at our own story, God, the same God that has taken care of the birds and the same God that has taken care of me for years, he will take care of me today and in my future. So I'm not going to worry. Now, here's another very practical point is that worrying doesn't make it any better, right? Worrying simply makes me miserable today about what may not even happen tomorrow. So I'm not going to worry about it. If I get to tomorrow and the bad thing happens that I was tempted to be worrying about, then I'll trust God to lead me through that season. In fact, another verse in Psalm 23 that I love is where David says, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So even if what I'm worrying about comes to pass, God is with me. 
and he will walk me through that valley. And the truth is, it's in the valleys of our life where we grow and flourish. And God uses those valley experiences to grow us and lead us to new heights. And so Jesus here is not being trivial. He's not dismissing our suffering. He's just saying, you know, our worry doesn't help And let's live by faith and follow Jesus. And if we do, he will provide for our needs. Now, let's skip down to chapter 7, verse 1. He says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard which you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. So he begins by saying, Judge not. Now, this has become one of the most famous verses in the Bible. In fact, maybe somebody has said to you, don't judge me, right? And what they basically mean by that is I don't want you to look at my life and evaluate whether you think my behavior is morally or ethical, acceptable or not. That's for me and me alone to decide. Well, listen, that is not what Jesus is talking about here. Judgment means to condemn, to write off, basically to look at a person and say, there's no hope for you. Because of this behavior, because of this decision, because of your past, there's no hope for you. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you relate that way to people, if you ever mess up, that's going to come back on you. In other words, if you go around expecting everybody to be perfect, and when they're less than perfect, you conclude there's no hope for them. If you're ever less than perfect, and guess what? We're all less than perfect. But if anyone ever sees your imperfection, then they're going to relate to you. They're going to return that judgment on you. They're going to say, you know what? There's no hope for you now, right? However, the opposite of that is also true. If I'm merciful and I'm gracious and I love people and I come alongside like Galatians 6 says, when I see somebody in sin or struggling, I come alongside and I'm a friend to them and I help them get back on track and draw near to Jesus and and fix what was broken. If I'm a faithful friend that way, guess what? When I mess up, the people in my life want to be a faithful friend to me. That's what he's saying. So he says, listen, don't write people off and condemn them because certainly none of us want to be written off and condemned. No, let's love people and help them. In fact, here's how he says we do that. Verse five, first, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you'll see well enough to deal with the log in your neighbor's eye. So Jesus says, let's help them. But listen, before we help other people, let's deal with our own stuff. Because as we're dealing with our stuff, as we're learning how to find freedom ourselves by walking with Jesus and allowing him to heal our hearts and allowing him to establish our identity, allowing him to build and shape our character, allowing him to give us vision for life and to live in our purpose. As God is doing this work in us, that's the very thing that empowers us to help everybody else on that same journey. That way we can say, just like Paul did, follow me as I follow Jesus. Just like I'm taking this journey, I'm inviting other people into that same 
journey. Verse 6, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. What does he mean by that? In our witnessing, when we're sharing our faith with other people, we have to recognize when people are open to the gospel, open to that message, open to our witness, and when they're closed. So for me, when I'm in conversation with people, if it's a stranger or it's a new friend, I'll ask them things like, you know, have you ever gone to church? Or tell me a little bit about your spiritual background or your spiritual life? Or have you ever thought much about faith? And I'll just try to ask some probing questions. And if they open up and they seem to be willing to talk about that, then I stay, man, I get on that trail, right? And I'm trying to trying to kind of figure out where they are spiritually and how to help them take another step. But if I bring that up and they kind of shut me down or they pull away or they change the subject, then I want to be real careful in that moment not to try to kick down that door and, and pin them to the ground and make them make a decision today. You know, I'm not going to treat people like that. I'm not going to mistreat people in the name of Christianity. I'm not going to do that, right? I want to love people and to be gracious with people. And you see this over and over again with Jesus, right? Jesus went to people. Generally, Jesus went to people that were broken and hurting, and he shared the truth because he knew they were open. And the people that were religious and thought they had it all figured out or or were uber successful and thought they had everything they need and really didn't see their need for God, the truth is Jesus didn't waste a lot of time with them. And that same thing is true for us. In fact, a real strategy to keep in mind in sharing your faith is when people suffer, Boy, that's the best time to be a friend. That's the best time to be a good listener. That's the best time to try to help somebody, to serve them, to love them, to bless them. That's the best time to offer to pray. Because it's in those tender moments that often their hearts open to the gospel message, and you and I can have a powerful witness. Verse 7, keep on asking and you'll receive. What you ask for, keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. So in prayer, man, we need to come and keep coming after God and asking him to help us in every area of our life. Now, this is so important. When I continue to turn to God about an issue that I'm praying about, sometimes God answers and and I get the thing that I'm looking for. Sometimes the journey of praying and bringing it to him over and over again, sometimes that journey, that process causes me to realize I'm actually praying for something that's probably not best. And so what God is doing in the process is actually changing me. But then Jesus goes on to say, and I love this and we can rest in this. He says, which one of you has a son? Who asked for bread would give him a stone, or asked for fish, you'd give him a snake. He says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you, Heavenly Father, give to those who ask him? God is far more generous than we are. And I don't know about you, but I love giving gifts to my kids and my wife and the people that I, I mean, I enjoy that. God's far more generous than we'll ever be. I love Romans 8.32, which says that if God would not withhold his own son, 
won't he also freely give us all things? He's already given his very best. He gave us his son, Jesus. And if he's willing to give us Jesus, why would we think he'd hold out on us? Which means when God doesn't answer our prayer, usually God knows and sees something we don't. And we can trust he's always acting in our best interest, that his no is actually an act of love. Verse 12, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. What a simple, the golden rule, right? What a simple law. Watch what he says. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So many times through the years, I've said to my kids, listen, it's this simple. Do to others what you want them to do to you. Let's treat others the way we want to be treated. Such a simple principle that we can really base our entire life and all of our relationships upon. And then finally, verse 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Listen, Jesus is the only way. It's a narrow gate. And the truth is, most people don't go there, Jesus says. You find it. And one of the things I think we have to be careful about in a modern American church culture is the goal isn't to build a big crowd. The goal is to teach people to follow Jesus. And the truth is, most people are not interested in following Jesus because they're building their own kingdom. So we have to be careful. On one hand, God wants us to make disciples of all the nations and let's be as aggressive as we can. Let's do all that we know to do to reach as many people of Christ as we can. But at the same time, we have to understand that the truth is most people are not ready to follow Jesus and we got to trust him with the results, the outcome, the fruit. All right, let me pray for you. Father, thank you again for this word. So much in the Sermon on the Mount, so encouraging, helping us to understand what it looks like to walk with you, to be transformed by your presence, your grace, your power, so that our life is a great reflection of the kingdom of God in our culture and makes a difference in the lives of people around us. So God, help us to keep doing that. We're trusting you. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, I hope that encourages you again today. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.